Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13, we're continuing, of course, our study of the gospel of Matthew. Matthew presents Jesus as the king of the Jews. For some of you may be new, when you look at the Bible, the, the four gospels, each one presents Jesus in a unique way. The Gospel of Mark presents Jesus as a servant. The Gospel of Luke presents Jesus as a man. The Gospel of John presents Jesus as God. And the Gospel of Matthew, which we're studying, presents him as the king, the king of the Jews. And so that's who he is. And we're seeing so much. We're going verse by verse. We've gone to a, a particular section now as we've gone through the book. We now get into chapter 13, which is sometimes called the mystery parables. Jesus began to teach and using a method of parables, and parables are illustrations to help with the truth. And so as we look at this, it may surprise us that the parables were given by Jesus in order to reveal truth to some and conceal truth to others. We go, that doesn't doesn't exactly make sense. It does when we see it as we go through the passage. Those people who had believed in Jesus Christ when he taught in parables, they could grasp it and understand it. Those who would not believe in him, the religious leaders, the people that rejected him, they would not be able to understand some of these things. This morning's parable, we're just going to actually see it this morning. Jesus doesn't explain it until next time. When we look at it, next time beginning at verse 18, actually Jesus gives us the interpretation of the parable, but it's the parable of the source, the one you've all heard where sower went out to sow and he threw it out and some landed on on the, on the road, and then some landed in the rocky soil, and some landed over in the thorns, and some landed in the good soil, and we're going to see that. And so as we, and what we see in this parable is how do, you, how do you respond to the Word of God? What kind of soil are you? So as we raise it, we just start with some questions. What kind of soil are we? What is our response to, the, to God's Word, and how can you and I benefit from the study of the parables of Jesus Christ? So there's some great things we'll see as we go through this. A number of years ago, I was in, in, an office, in my office, and a lady came in. She was a lady who went to our church, and she said, I have a document here. I want you to see if you can read it. And I said, what do you mean? She said, it's my husband's grandfather's, and it's written in Hebrew. We thought maybe you could read it. And I said, well, I've had Hebrew. I had uh, five semesters of Hebrew when I was at Dallas Seminary. But we had what we call pointed Hebrew, which is the letters, and then these little dots under it, which are actually the vowels. In normal Hebrew, they, the vowels aren't there. They, you just have to know them. And that's why if you go on TV and turn on the thing and they have something from Israel, you'll see something written on the side of a bus or something, and it's just letters. And so uh, there's no vowels there. So I thought, oh, man, I'm never able to read unpointed Hebrew. So we got it out, and I looked at it, and it took a long time. But what we figured out, it was, uh, it was actually a a wedding, uh, a marriage certificate of the great-grandfather, and it was written in Hebrew. And, and so it's pretty exciting because she said, you know, up to this point, I couldn't understand it. And the truth is, since she couldn't read it, it was hidden to her. Well, the truth, anytime we don't understand something, it's sort of hidden to us. Well, this morning, we're going to see that Jesus teaches in parables in order to reveal truth to those who believe, but it's to conceal truth from those who reject. Because we see what's going on, what is happening. As you remember, and this is just a quick review, Jesus Christ has presented himself to the nation of Israel as the King of kings and the Lord of lords as the King of the Jews. He's got, he's gathered some men. He's got 12 men with him. There's other people following him around. There are large groups following him around. He has done miracles. He has healed the sick. He has raised the dead. He's fed people. Uh, the religious leaders continually reject him. Even when he does the miracles, they say that his miracles are done by the, the devil. 
Not, they say his power is from the devil, not from God. And so what's happened is the nation of Israel is rejecting Jesus as the Messiah and the King and the Savior. And so this is a, almost a turning point because from this point on, he doesn't offer himself as the king in the rest of the book, not to the nation of Israel. And he begins to teach in parables, which, uh, as he says, to, to, to reveal truth to those who believe and to conceal truth to those who have rejected him. So he uses this method of teaching, and he's been clearly up to this point announcing the kingdom of heaven is at hand and repent for the kingdom of heaven. He's been saying that. Now his teaching changes. And so what we're going to do this morning, we're going to look at several things. We're going to look at what is a parable. We're going to see what was Jesus Christ's purpose of teaching in parables. We're going to see what is a mystery, because he talks about the mystery of the kingdom. And then we're going to see the very first parable, the parable of the sower. And it won't be until next week that we actually find out how Jesus interprets what that parable is, because he doesn't get to that until verse 18. When we start this morning, uh, I want you to understand that the Gospel of Matthew is incredible. It is so fun to study it. In fact, the, tr the truth is this. So if we said the Gospel of Mark, we'd say, oh, it's incredible. It's so fun to study. And so it doesn't matter what book it is. They're all fantastic. But this one is, and the Gospel of Matthew has three big areas in it which are unique and uh, and one is the Sermon on the Mount. That's chapters 5, 6, and 7. We've already seen that, and that was unique because Jesus went up on the side of a hill and he taught all these things, the Beatitudes and that. And then chapter 13 is called the Mystery Parables. This whole chapter has, I think, seven parables in it. We're going to see that over the next few weeks. And then the other thing is called the Olivet Discourse. That's in Matthew chapters 24 and 25, in which he gives truths concerning the tribulation and the end time events. We'll get to that eventually. So there's a lot of great things in this, in this thing. So let, let's start with the very first question, and that is, what is a parable? Okay, what is a parable? Well, it actually comes from the Greek word para, which means beside. We get parallel from it. Parabole. The other word is bole, which means to throw. So a parable is something that is thrown beside. Basically, it means something that is added beside something, sort of like an illustration, something to help you understand the truth. Kenneth Wiest is a Greek scholar, and he said a, par a, a parable is an illustration thrown alongside a truth to explain it. Uh, Irving Jensen, who's a Bible teacher, says it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It can mean a lot of different things, but a parable helps illustrate a truth. As we look at chapter 13, there are seven parables. The parable of the sower, that's the one we're going to look at this morning. There's a parable of a field, parable concerning a mustard seed, parable concerning leaven, uh, a, a hidden treasure, a pearl, and the last one is a dragnet in which they go out and they bring in all these fish. And he gives a parable about a person bringing in a fish and what they do with the fish. And all of those are that teach us. And so what the second big question that we raise is, what was Jesus Christ's purpose of teaching in parables? Now, we've already seen it, and he says it. Uh, they ask him the question in verse 10. Notice verse 10. It says, and the disciples came to him and said, why do you speak in parables? And so he gives the answer, and it's twofold, to reveal truth and to conceal truth. In fact, in verse 11 and 12, he actually says that. He says, to you it's been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom, but to them it's not. In 11 and 12, he says, some will know and some don't. In verse 13, he says, they won't understand. And in verse 16, he says, you will understand. So the truth is this. When he gave parables, unbelievers would not understand. Believers could understand. Now, that makes sense because a believer has the Holy Spirit. 
And when the truths are taught of the Bible, and whether it's a parable or something else, you can grasp it and go, yeah, it puts it together. But 1 Corinthians 2.14 says the natural man doesn't understand the things of God. Unbelievers don't have the Holy Spirit. They can't understand all the truths from the Bible. And so Jesus is saying when I speak in a parable, believers can grasp it and unbelievers can't grasp it. That's what he's doing. Now, why is he doing that? Because these unbelievers are rejecting him. They're saying he's from the devil. If you remember, he, he, we just showed that he, they came to him and asked him for a sign. It was right before we ended the chapter. They came up to him and said, we want to see a sign from you. He's already shown them all kind of signs, and he finally says, there won't be any sign given to you except one sign. It's the sign of Jonah. As Jonah was in the belly of the great fish three days and three nights, so must the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. The final sign that he gave them is his death and resurrection. And so that's, they've rejected him over and over. And this is called the, called the mysteries of the kingdom. And so what is, the question is, what is a mystery? A mystery was something that had been hidden in the past but is now being made known. As he gives these parables, he gives more information about the end time. So these parables give more information about the growth of the kingdom and the end time events. Now, everybody likes end time events. Most of everybody wants to know what's going to happen at the end time. What about the rapture? What about the Antichrist? Second coming, the kingdom, the eternal state, all of those kind of things. Everybody likes to talk about that. And Jesus has mentioned some of it. When we get to chapter 24, chapters 24 and 25, he's going to go into a huge amount of detail about the time we call the tribulation and his coming as the king. So hang on, that'll be really good. But what he's doing now is he's telling about the kingdom that's going to come and he's giving some information. So now we're going to see the parable of the sower. And let me divide it up for you. Our passage this morning, the first nine verses is the parable of the sower, and then verses 10 through 17, he actually tells us the purpose. Now we already know what it is, but I want you to see it as he teaches it as we go through it. Now, the explanation of this parable will, will be uh, next week, but I'll give you an idea. The first parable deals with the response to the Word of God. Let's look what happens. Look at chapter 13. Look at verse 1. That day Jesus went out from the house and was sitting by the sea. Now, what do you mean that day? See, he had been in a house, and he'd been healing different people. He'd been doing all kind of things. The religious leaders came to him, and they said, show us a sign, and he told them the sign of Jonah. He said, you, you've rejected all the signs I've given you, and you actually say that my signs are from the devil, but there's one final sign, and that's the death and resurrection. And then uh, there's a big crowd there, and his mother and brothers come to see him, and they come up to him and say, your mother and brothers are outside. And Jesus ends by saying, wait a minute, who, are my, who is really my family? My family, and he points out to the, to the men and the others, and he says, this is my family. And the truth is this, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ as Savior, we become children of God, we're born in the family of God, and in reality, all of us in this room who know Christ as Savior, we're all a family. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's how, basically, he ended the last thing. If you look at chapter 12, verse 50, he says, For whoever does the will of my Father is in heaven, the will of the Father is to believe in the one who has sent. He is my brother and sister and mother. So anybody who has believed in Jesus Christ is in the family of God. So then it says, That day Jesus went out of the house. Now he had been teaching in the house. And he went out sitting by the sea. He's most likely in Capernaum. I should have put a map up this morning. He's in the northern part of the Sea of Galilee. If most of you know Israel, the Sea of Galilee is in the north. The Dead Sea is in the south. Jerusalem's down by the Dead Sea. Uh, Galilee is the northern part. Nazareth is up there. A place called Capernaum was his headquarters. That was a city that he stayed at. He didn't go back to his hometown of Nazareth, but he stayed in Capernaum. And Capernaum is right on the sea. 
Sea, right on the edge of the Sea of Galilee. And so he leaves this house, and he was sitting by the sea. Now watch what happens. And large crowds gathered to him. So he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd was standing on the beach. Now there were so many people began to come that he realized there wasn't going to be room and the people just coming and coming. So he finds a boat and he gets in the boat and they push it out a little bit and he sits down and the crowd is standing up on the side, basically of the Sea of Galilee, looking out at him in a boat. And if you notice something a little bit different, in this day and time, the teacher sat down and the students stood up. And nowadays, you sit down and I stand up. But so here's what Jesus was doing. Think about it. It said, he was sitting down in the boat and the whole crowd was standing on the beach. You know, sometimes we think about how, you know, things go along. I was reading just the other day in Ezra and Nehemiah. And uh, they brought the people together. And they taught the Bible for six hours without stopping. And the people stood the whole time. Think about that. They taught through the Bible, Ezra and Nehemiah, and they would read it. And then people would explain it to the crowd, and the crowd was standing there, and they did that for six hours. I, we will not go six hours today, but it, you know we're going to try to get through at a normal time. So here's Jesus in the boat, and the crowd standing on the beach. And then look what he says. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. Now, a parable, remember we said a parable was, a, was a, like a little story. It was something that you teach to help understand a truth. And this is what he's doing. And, it, and he's using this parable. And you know what? And before I read the whole thing, you remember it's the guy, he goes out and he throws out seed and it lands over here on, a, on the road and it lands in a, a rocky place and it lands in a thorn place and then it lands in good stuff. And then he gives illustrations from that. And he's, t- he's teaching. And basically what he's showing is people's response to the word of God. And so let me read it for you. Look what he says, verse 3. And he spoke many things to them in peril, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. Others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop. Some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. And then notice how he ends it. This is a famous thing he says. He who has ears, let him hear. Now, in that day and time, what they would do is they would have a plow, and they would go out and would turn up the soil, and then the sower would go out, and he would throw the seeds out to wherever he wanted it to go. He's given an illustration, and what we find in this illustration, let me just show you. The first, the first one, when he went out, he threw it, and it didn't land in good soil. In fact, it landed on the road, which was packed, and it says a bird... So, you know, birds came uh, and some seeds and birds came along and got them. They never got into the ground at all. The second one actually gets into the ground because it says it fell on this rocky place, fell on the rocky place. One of the other gospels says it sprang, it received it and sprang up immediately. And it did spring up, but it had no root. You know, if this is a believer. Actually, if this is a picture of who's, who's a believer and who's not a believer, the first one never gets the message. The second one gets the message, believes it, but is not rooted or grounded. And we know this, that many, many believers are not rooted and grounded. If you look in Ephesians, he says, we don't want to be children tossed to and fro, not grounded in the Word of God. So the second one receives it, but 
it produces no fruit because it just is, is not grounded. The third one, it goes over there by the thorns. It, it receives it again, starts to grow, but everything else, the thorns come up and choke it out. And then the fourth landed in the good place. And in the good soil, there were some that produced a hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold. So they're doing really, really good. So the point of the parable, we're going to see it as Jesus teaches it next time, is that some never got the message. Some got the message, but they never produced fruit because they, had, they weren't rooted or grounded. Some produced no fruit because the thorns and thistles of life, and we'll, we'll explain it next week, choked them out. But then some do. They receive it, and they produce fruit, 100, 60, 30. And we all know that. And that's just like in the Gospel of John in chapter 15 when he says, I want you to produce fruit, more fruit, much fruit, 30, 60, 100. We'll see that uh, when we get to that next time. So he ends this parable by saying, he who has ears, let him hear. And he's saying, whoever's listening, listen carefully. Because who can listen to this and understand it? We're going to find out it's the believers. And who's not listening? The unbelievers. They, they've rejected him already. I just want you to understand that when Jesus taught these, these religious leaders, it's hard for us to conceive how much they hated him. I mean, when we think of Jesus, we go, we love him. When we think of Jesus, we go, he's the greatest. I mean, he loved, children loved him. He, you know, they just hugged him and people, he just healed people. He just did everything. But the religious leaders despised him. You know, I mean, I don't know if you've ever had anybody despise you in your life. I have. It's not fun at all when people don't like you. And, and they, they rejected Jesus, not because of anything he ever did, because he was perfect and he was good, and he only did good. But they rejected him because they hated him, because they were afraid they were going to lose their positions, because they rejected him as the Messiah. They didn't want him to be the Messiah and the King. In fact, we're going to find later on that he actually says, if Jesus doesn't stop doing what he's doing, they're going to come take our positions away. They were worried about losing their positions rather than who Jesus Christ was. And so he's teaching, and these religious leaders who are rejecting him, they're not going to be able to understand this parable. But the believers can understand this parable. So look what he says. He who has ears, let him hear. Well, the disciples, they haven't put it all this together. And so the disciples came up to him, verse 10, and said, why do you speak to them in parables? What, uh, that's the, by the road, the rocky places, the thorns, the good soil. So uh, I just wanted to say this again. One never got in the ground. One got in the ground but had no root, no production. One got in the ground, thorns choked it, no production. One got with a good soil. So they come to him and they say, Jesus, why are you speaking in parables? Because they know that even some of the parables are a little bit hard for them to grasp. They know that some of these people aren't getting it. And so Jesus surprises them. And it's really twofold, to reveal truth, to conceal truth. Look what he says in verse 11. Jesus answered them, to you, he's talking to the believers, to the disciples, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them... It has not been granted. See, he says, to you, the believers, it's granted you to no one understand it. To them, the unbelievers, those who reject him, it's not been granted. He says, for whoever has much, he's going to get more details in a minute, but it's the bottom line. To the believer, they will understand the mysteries. To the unbeliever, they will not understand the mysteries. And as we said a while ago, the Bible says that unbelievers don't grasp the spiritual truths from the Bible. They can't. They don't have the power of the Holy, they don't have the Holy Spirit inside. They're not born again. They're not create, new creations in Christ. And he's teaching them. And he says, listen, to you it's been granted to know these mysteries. 
but to them it's not. And then he says in verse 12, for whoever has, that's them, to him more shall be given, and he shall have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even, he, even what he has shall be taken away. He says for those who have, the believers, you're going to get more and more, and you're going to be able to understand more and more. Listen, the more you want to know about Jesus Christ, he will allow you to know. The more you want to dig the word, the more you want to talk to him, the more you want to spend time knowing with him, he will let you know him be, even beyond what you could imagine. But those who reject him, they can't know him. They can't know him in that way. And so he says, whoever has, even more will be given to them. And then he says this, therefore, he's going to answer their question, therefore, I speak to them in parables. And he's talking about the unbelievers. Because while seeing, they don't see. And while hearing, they do not understand. He says, why do I speak to them? Because the unbelievers see and they don't see the signs on the side. Listen, he's done sign after sign after sign. He's walked on the water. He's fed 5,000. He's, he's healed the sick. He's, a guy's arm was... Listen, there was one time that a guy's arm was completely withered, and Jesus said, hold out your arm. And a guy held out his arm, and it was perfect. All the people right there, it said the religious leader said, let's go figure out a way to kill him. See, they were rejecting him. So he says, listen, seeing, they don't see the signs. Hearing, they don't hear. They don't understand the gospel. They don't understand the truths of the message. They're missing it. And so he says, uh, therefore I speak to them perils while seeing they don't see and hearing they don't understand. So seeing they don't see and hearing they don't hear. He said, this is why I'm speaking in parables. And then he says something that's amazing. He says, this fulfills Isaiah. This fulfills Isaiah chapter 6, verse, verses 9 and 10. And he quotes it. I want you to notice, look at verse 14. He says, in, in their case, in their case of these unbelievers who reject me, the, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, you will keep on hearing, but you won't understand. You will keep on seeing, you will not perceive. For the hearts of the people has become dull. With ears they scarcely hear. They have closed their eyes, otherwise they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart and return, and I would heal them. He said, if they would believe in me, they would be able to understand it. They don't believe in me. They are not able to understand it. It's pretty powerful, and he's quoting Isaiah. Now, I want to show you something that, just, just in case you ever wanted to check it, if you go back to Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9 and 10, in verse 9 and 10, he says, that Matthew, is changes. Isaiah actually says their hearts will become dull. Jesus says their hearts are dull. Isaiah was given the prophecy. Jesus is giving the fulfillment. So he actually, Jesus actually changed Isaiah 9, 6, uh, Isaiah 6, 9 and 10. And he can do that because he's God and he can do anything he wants to do with the scripture. And he, he changes it and says that was a prophecy this is the fulfillment. They have closed their eyes. Notice what it says. The heart of the people have become dull. They don't listen anymore. They don't care anymore. Their eyes, with their ears, they don't even hear. With their eyes, they've closed it. Otherwise, they could see it and they could understand it and I would heal them. Listen, if a person is open to know Jesus Christ, they will know Jesus Christ. Have you talked to people? Listen, I've talked to people in my life I've talked to people who were open that I would share to them, and I'd say, would you like to know something? And they would say yes, and we would talk and share, and sometimes they would trust in Christ. I've also talked to people that I would say, would you like to, me to show you how you can know you have eternal life? No, no, I don't believe in Jesus, I don't believe that. I told you that I had a good friend that was a Jewish guy that was in, at Mississippi State when I coasted Mississippi State. His name was Abibai, Abishai ben Parai, which means son of a fruitful vine, and I... I 
I went to his house. I'd go eat with him, but I would talk to him, and I'd say, Abishai, let, let me talk to you about Christ. He said, nope, and he'd take the paper and put it up like this, so he, so he, he wouldn't want to talk about it. He was not open. If you're open, I guarantee you, if you're open to the truths of the Bible and about Jesus Christ, you will be able to grasp them because you'll understand it, you'll trust in him, and you'll have eternal life. If you're not open, now you're going to have all kind of problems, and that's what the religious leaders were doing. And he says here, they have closed their eyes, they have blocked out the message. And notice what he says, unless they, could, they would be able to, if they would open up and realize who I am and trust in me, they would understand it all. So here's a question. Now this passage is basically dealing about eternal life salvation. They were not open to Jesus as the Savior and Messiah. And I hope and pray that every one of you in this room have trusted in Christ as Savior. But if not, are you open to the great truth of who Jesus Christ is? That he is the Messiah and the Savior of the world, that he died on the cross to pay for our sins and he rose again to conquer death. And if you will trust in him and him alone, he will give to you eternal life. I hope and pray you're open to believe, to understand it. And if you trust in him from that point on, you'll be able to grasp and understand the things of the Bible. For those of us who've already trusted Christ, the next thing could be, are we open to dig it, to understand it, to see what the Bible has to say? It is amazing to me how little most Christians know about the Bible. You can just raise basic questions about the Scripture, and most people don't know what they are. In fact, I'll be really honest with you, most people don't even know what the gospel message is. There are people, I I watched a, a TV show the other day, and it was a Bible study. It was a Bible study, and it was four women, and one woman leading the Bible study. They were interviewing them about what they do in the Bible study, and so the lady said, I want each one of you to tell how you, how you know Christ. That's how she put it. Not one of them ever gave the gospel. Not one of them ever said that they put their faith in Christ as their Savior. Not one of them said they put trusted in Christ. They all said things like, well, Jesus was there to help me when I was down. But I heard nothing that said, I put my faith in Christ for eternal life. Many believers don't even know what the message is. If we walk out these doors and say to somebody, if you were to die, would you go to heaven? And they say yes, and you ask them why, wait till you see the answers that they give you. We need to know the Bible. We need to know the gospel. We need to be ready and equipped to share our faith. And that's why we need to be open to truths from the Bible and dig it. So these people, first of all, the religious leaders not only weren't open to anything, they weren't open to Jesus, and so they couldn't understand these things. But look what Jesus says at the end about the disciples. And he says, here's the contrast. But blessed are your your eyes, because they see in your ears, because you hear. Listen, the contrast, believers, they're seeing and hearing it. They're beginning to grasp it. And understand these things. Now, by the way, the word blessed there is the word, uh, it, it means to be content. It comes from a really, Macarius is an island in the Greek, and, and they say this island's so great that once you go to this island, you won't ever want to leave, and that's why it's called the blessed island. And so this is the Greek word for blessed, or, or happy, or blessed. And he's basically saying, you're blessed because you can see it, and you can hear it. And then he ends this way. He says, for truly I say to you, Many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see, and they didn't see it, and to hear what you hear, and they didn't hear it. You know why? Because it hadn't happened yet. Isaiah would have loved to have seen the day of Jesus Christ. Daniel would have loved to have seen Jesus Christ. Abraham would have loved to have seen him, and David and all of them would have loved to see Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is saying, there are a lot of great people who are open, and they would love to have been here to see what you see and to hear what you hear. 
Now we think about it. Would you have loved to have seen Jesus? To walk with him? To be with what if you were one of the twelve and you could have been with him for three years, basically day and night? What a life. But guess what? You will be with him. When Jesus Christ comes as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, He's going to come in the clouds first. We're going to get in Christ, rise first, and we who are alive and reign and be caught up together, we'll be with Him. Then He comes back to the earth as the King, and we're going to come back to be with Him. So you're going to get to be with Him and see Him. But wouldn't it have been something to see this? And that's what Jesus is saying. He says, you disciples, there are a lot of great people throughout history who wish they could see and hear what you are hearing and seeing. So as we think about this parable, and we'll get, it, we'll get details next time. The sower is the one who spreads the seed. The seed is the message of the kingdom about the Messiah and about the king. The soils are different people, and we see their different responses. And some people look at this and they say there was only one believer. The truth is, no, there's three believers, but only one group of the three believers actually produce fruit. And to be real sad and to say it truthfully, there are a lot of people who are believers aren't producing any fruit. And one day we'll all stand before our Savior to be rewarded. We want to hear him say, what? Well done, good and faithful servant. So Jesus is going to explain the parable next time. So we see Jesus in his teaching. Uh, his, teach, his teaching and hiding. Jesus shows the rejection, which they were not going to be able to understand these things. And he says, boy, you guys are really blessed because you get to see it and get to hear it. So here's what we see application-wise. Let's understand why Jesus taught in parables to the nation of Israel. What It was to reveal truth to believers and so the believers, those guys, the disciples and the people who believed in him, they could understand things. But it was also to conceal the truth to the unbelievers because we already know in 1 Corinthians 2.14 that they're not able to grasp it. They had rejected him. So the second application, just understand that, but the second one is let's study God's word so that we can know and apply the truth. Listen, we have the ability to know and apply the word of God. So let's dig it. Let's know it. When we come together on a Sunday morning, it's to study, to worship our Savior, and to study and be trained and equipped. If you get a chance, take one of those classes on Wednesday night. You will go into details. Maybe some of the things you're going to be taught, you go, I have never seen this. This is fantastic stuff. So let's study the scripture so you can know it and, and, and apply it. And last but not least, Let's just, let's understand the mystery parables in the Gospel of Matthew. Each one of them is going to teach something different. The first one, the sower, uh, the, the parable of the sower is going to talk about the response to the Word of God. But there's six other parables, and as we go through those parables, we'll see the truths that Jesus was teaching.